this week on the Vocarte podcast. I think in a lot of Christian art, we want the brokenness to be shown really quickly and then to be fixed. And we want things to be tied up neatly in a few pages or in a song. And when we do that, it's, we're not being authentic about what the human experience is really like. We are talking with Christian artists who are engaged in different artistic mediums and are pursuing art for the kingdom and for their community as well. And I am on the air right now with Hope Johnson. Um, Hope and I actually met a couple years ago through a young adult ministry in upstate New York and instantly clicked. We are both INFJs. We're close enough on the Enneagram uh, scale where we really get each other and we're also both writers so hope welcome i'm so glad you're here and oh, thanks so much for having me we're thrilled to have you and um hope is actually a very gifted podcaster she um is going to talk a little bit more about that perhaps i'd love to hear not just what you're doing with your writing but also what you're doing on air so can you tell us a little bit about what you did uh for work in the past and what you are currently doing Okay. So my writing journey has, I would say has not been linear at all. So when I first started as a junior high student, I just fell in love with the written word. We did these writing samples um, where we had 50 minutes to write on some random topic. And I just really fell in love with the written word then. And throughout my 20s, I ended up writing a lot about my personal experiences and my faith journey. And a lot of that had to do with my time in Russia. So I had felt called to Russia at a young age. And in my late teens and early 20s, I had a lot of experiences there. And God used those to mold me and grow me, open my eyes up to things that I, I wouldn't have known otherwise and really teach me about his character. So that's really where I started writing seriously. I had always wanted to be published, but I used to think I would be a fiction writer. Mm -hmm. When I was 18, I wrote this really cheesy Russian <laughs> mafia novel. <laughs> Love it. We all had I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was a masterpiece at the time. And you know, I'm so thankful I did it. I don't think fiction is my primary gifting, but when I was in my senior year of college, I took a nonfiction class. I had a wonderful professor, Professor Marcotte, and I realized that there's just so much power in story and mm -hmm. personal story. Mm -hmm. And that really extends to my writing journey right now. My writing is very personal and I'm not afraid to go deep and I'm not afraid to share details of my life as long as it's not going to hurt someone else. I'm an open book. And that's also the goal of my podcast. It's all about sharing God's faithfulness through personal story. The reason I started it, well, I have a few reasons I started it, but primarily because I have trouble struggle. I, I struggle with believing in God's faithfulness when I don't see the answers to prayer that I want. Mm -hmm. 
But I realize when you look back, when I look back at my journey and when I hear the stories of other women who've gone before me, it's so clear that God is so faithful. You know, it's the same when you look in, in the Old Testament and see Israel's journey. So that was the heart behind this, but it was actually Samantha who encouraged me to start this podcast. And the funny thing is, is <laughs> I went to a writer's conference about three months before I launched the podcast. And I purposely did not attend the session on podcasting because I said I would never use it. Oh I'm a writer. <laughs> I'm not a podcaster. And this was an online writers conference where you did not have to pick and choose. You had a whole week to watch however many sessions you wanted. And I just never thought I would use it. So um, Samantha encouraged me to start this podcast because I had initially wanted to put together an anthology of stories of women talking about God's faithfulness through really tough stuff through unplanned pregnancy, through um, depression, stuff like that. And I, you know, she said, well, why can't you do that through a podcast? So that's what I've been doing. And right now my writing and podcasting is working closely together. A lot of times I will be podcasting based on something I wrote. Um, I also have recently started writing devotionals um, for a few projects with chosen books. Mm -hmm. And that's been a great experience because writing is, is one of the primary ways I connect with God. So when I'm given a passage of scripture that I need to work on in terms of a devotional, that is very, a very beautiful time with God. You know, it, it doesn't seem like work to me. So that's, I, there's a new project that's coming down the pike that I'm starting to work on. And I'm excited about that. I love that. I absolutely love that. And it's so interesting to see how the Lord has guided your writing. And I mean, we all, I think most writers start off with, I'm going to write fiction because it just seems like the thing to do. But then there's so much power in, like you said, the personal stories and the anecdotes from our lives that just speak to like the, the nitty gritty. This is just the daily stuff where we see God shine through. Hope has not mentioned this. She mentioned that she worked in Russia. She also speaks Russian. Um, so she's gifted in two languages. <laughs> I have to ask, was that original piece, um, the one that you wrote when you were 18 that shall not be published, um, was that written in Russian or was it mixed in no. a little bit? <laughs> okay. It, it was not, but some of the characters' names, they had very clear meanings based on Russian words. The the last name of the mafia guy, it was Rudomietkin, which means blood letter. And one of the other mafia guys, his last name was Volkov, which comes from the word for wolf. So I was, oh you know, goodness. I was adding lots of Easter eggs in there. <laughs> I love that. So at what point did you say, you know, I love doing this, but I, I'm going to do it professionally because that that's a jump for a writer. I think a lot of us could sit in our in our home offices and just write for the joy of it, but saying, I'm actually going to put this out there into the world and see if we can you know, do this professionally, that takes something a little bit extra. So how did you come to that conclusion? That's I have an interesting answer because I don't remember a specific moment. And I really wish I did because it was such a big decision, but I think when I can trace it, back to is in that nonfiction class, my senior year of college, I mentioned to my creative writing professor, I could see myself doing that. And she agreed. She said, I could mm. see you doing that too. And so that planted the seed of 
okay, someone sees something in me. And I kind of just buried that for a while. And I loved blogging and I did that. And I had a good reader base, but I hadn't really thought of pursuing writing a book. And I think it was two and a half years ago or so that I, so I love Susie Larson. She, if, if anyone doesn't know who she is, she is a Christian writer who has a really amazing testimony and it's a testimony of waiting, um, lots of health issues and just a testimony of God's faithfulness. And she, I was listening to her podcast and she was talking about a writer's conference and it was all the way in Minnesota and I'm in New York, but she said on the air, you know, if you have a dream of getting published, I encourage you to come to this conference. So I just made a decision, you know, I'm going to go to Minnesota and I stayed in a really sketchy holiday inn for a few days. <laughs> and I went to this wonderful writers conference where I started to learn more about the industry. I got to meet a number of authors and it was then that I really started working towards that end. And, and I started out, um, you were allowed a 10 minute uh, pitch to an agent. And I started out with an idea for a devotional geared towards people struggling with depression. So that was really my first project idea. And at the time it wasn't ready. That's what the agent said. And she was absolutely right. Um, but that's, that's the beginning of my journey. And I would say that was probably 2018. That's fantastic. Writers conferences are, are like, they're just such a hidden gem. I didn't know how important or how inspiring they would be until I went to one 2012. Oh gosh, it's a long time ago. And something about being in that room with other people who have that shared goal, even if it's not a Christian writers conference, you're like, oh good, I'm not crazy. I'm not alone. Their ideas seem strange too, but then when they actually get them on paper, you're like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm definitely not alone mm -hmm. in this. Mm -hmm. So you've been pursuing this professionally since about 2018. What would you say are some of the key lessons that you've learned through that process? There are so many, but <laughs> the first one that that I want to talk about is this idea of results. I think I think we can even as believers, we can start believing that the number of readers or the number of likes, or if we get something accepted to Christianity today, that that almost measures our worth as a writer or even our level of faithfulness. Because in so many areas of my life, it's you put the effort in and you're successful. I mean, and it's the American way of thinking. If I work harder than everyone else, I'm going to be successful. But in, in the writing world, it's not like that. Some of, some of it seems very random. It seems random when something goes viral. I've talked with a number of people who they thought, they thought something they put out was not that great and it went viral. And then something they wrote that they spent weeks on, they had two people read. Mm -hmm. So, so much of what I've learned has been about staying faithful to the call God has given me, not changing my voice or changing my message to feed the Instagram machine or to just anything that really gets me off track. With platform building, I mean, the idea is 
you need to have some built-in readers if you want a publisher to pick up your, your work. And I mean, it makes sense. They're taking a huge risk. I think it's somewhere upwards of $40,000 of a risk on a 200 page book. Wow. So that is, has been something that has been difficult for me because I'm not someone who likes the platform building process. I want to be writing and it's not in my personality to be posting on Instagram all the time or sending out newsletters, but I really tried. And I found that I was pushing too hard for the personality that God had given me and for what he'd been calling me to. So I had to step back from that. And it's personal, you know, some, uh, another woman, another author might not need to step back from that, but I had to step back and say, Lord, I need to be faithful to what you're calling me to do. If one person reads it, then great. I need to be thankful for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and that has recently helped me to stay on track more. So I'd say that is a huge lesson that I've learned. I love that. So it's interesting because, you know, I feel like the industry as a whole has all of these boxes that they, they like to put artists in. And that's not just in writing, that's across the board. And if you're already kind of in a niche field where you're a Christian writer or you're a Christian musician, that box feels like a tissue box. Like there's not a lot of wiggle room. So I'm interested to know, where do you think that there are some artistic gaps in Christian art and specifically in the writing field? You can go for both nonfiction and fiction because there, there seem to be some holes in what we do. I would say in literary fiction, I would say a lot of, I mean, excuse me, literary nonfiction. Mm -hmm. um, I would say that a lot of writing you see in the Christian writing industry, it's, it's very self-help oriented or yeah. God help me oriented. <laughs> and in that sometimes, I mean, the purpose is not beautiful words for that. The purpose is I have a problem. I need a solution. But the books that speak to my soul the most are those where you can tell the author has weighed every word. Hmm. And, you know, I'll just give an example of one that I feel like fits that beautifully, but I haven't been able to find a lot like that. And it's Sarah Hagerty's Every Bitter Thing is Sweet. And she, she writes about her journey of about 10 years through infertility. Mm -hmm. And she writes in a really poetic manner that's very personal but the focus is not on necessarily offering listeners, oh, do X, Y, Z, and you're not going to struggle with this anymore. It was just inviting them into her story and really doing that through her unique voice. So that's what I would say, unique voices, stuff that is more literary and really focuses on the beauty of language and the beauty of words. I think that that the beauty factor is missing so much from what we do, which is absolutely insane to me when you consider who we're writing for and where we're writing from and who inspires all that we do. It's It feels so, I don't know, fast food-esque, which is, that's not a real phrase, but it just feels like, here you go, like take this and off you go, like get it done. So I completely resonate with what you're saying as far as, I mean, we used to build cathedrals and now we can't seem to quite get our, our grip around the artistic element of that. So what is an example of a book that speaks to your heart? I know that you just spoke of one, but is there a book that every time you go back to it, you're like, oh my goodness, my soul just resonates with this? 
Oh, yes. Brother, the Brothers Karamazov, Fyodor Dostoevsky. I will read that book over and over and over again, just mm -hmm. because now if we're talking about Christian art, like this is just the, the highest form of Christian art because he is not afraid to leave things undone to mm -hmm. show the to show the ugly parts of humanity and to show someone who is very complex and complicated um, and really to to continue pointing to Christ in the midst of life's messiness and I I mean the book was written about about 200 years ago under 200 years ago but it's so modern and it's so current and everything that it talks about it addresses the problem of suffering and that's one that you know, our generation, we, every generation, but our generation especially struggles with when we, we think about the goodness of God. There's so much about that. Um, there's so much about what it actually means to love someone actively. And the way he words it, though, is unique and it's powerful and it's lasting. So mm -hmm. I it's it's also 800 pages. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's for the long haul, but seriously, it will be worth it. I know so many friends who have started it and then they're like, they're like, Oh, hope. Yeah. Actually I didn't finish it. And I'm like, yeah, because you got to get through the first hundred pages and then it's amazing. <laughs> I have a hard time just pronouncing it. I'm going to be totally honest. It's <laughs> Every time I do, I just go, it's Hope's favorite book. <laughs> you, you, you already knew the answer. It's because I'm like evangelical about this book. I'm like, do you know Jesus? And do you know Dostoevsky? <laughs> but, you know, I love how you described it, though, because you called it one of the highest forms of art. And do you think that there is kind of a spectrum, um, especially in the Christian artistic world, where there are some that are pieces that are just phenomenal and they're so rich and there's other pieces that feel like they're basically plugging up a hole where there's a need for artistic expression but there's like it's not quality I don't know how to put that out there and the question might be leading but do you feel that there is a spectrum between I, not necessarily worship because worship is pure and high in and of itself but what we're actually putting out as artists yeah, absolutely. I agree with that wholeheartedly because I mean, how many times, any, anyone listening, how many times have you almost been a little bit embarrassed by <laughs> Christian music? I yes. mean, I would say that the songs, uh, apart from worship songs, but the songs that bring me closest to God are not those that are traditionally Christian. I, I think of Mumford and Sons. They have a lot of Christian themes in their lyrics, but they're nuanced and they're not afraid to show their brokenness. I think yeah. in a lot of Christian art, we want the brokenness to be shown really quickly and then to be fixed. And we want things to be tied up neatly in a few pages or in a song. And when we do that, it's we're not being authentic about what the human experience is really like. And if you, I mean, if you look at the life of Jesus, it's not like the life of Jesus at all. His life was, was not linear. It was, it was full of ups and downs and um, difficulties. And I, I do, I do think that there is definitely a spectrum and that's very sad because like you said, 
we are believers. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the greatest source of inspiration. And for whatever reason, we're not putting out good art. But I, right. but I will say one of the reasons I think this is has to do with our culture's desire to produce, 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 produce. One of the things that in this whole platform building journey was realizing, oh, I'm supposed to be posting three to four times a week to keep people engaged. And I can't come up with something good to say three to four times a week. It's me trying to come up with something to say when I don't have anything to say. Whereas I think true art comes from when God gives you something to say, and you can't, you can't chart that out. You can't say three times this week, I'm going to sit and the Holy Spirit's going to work in my heart and I'm going to speak something to someone else. That's not, that's not how it works. So I think with art, we need to be less focused on quantity, mm-hmm. less focus on quantity, less focus on even on consistency. You know, maybe you should write every day, but you don't, don't need to post everything you write. Thank you for saying that. That's so, that's so necessary. And I, and I completely agree. You know, what's so interesting is what you mentioned about how we want there to be a small problem or there's a small bit of brokenness and then we very quickly resolve it. And I wonder how much of that feeds into our, um, I don't even, I don't even want to call it. There's this, there's this time where you just can't figure out, you know, why is are things not resolving the way that they should in my life? I, What's the word I'm looking for? It's a cognitive dissonance. There it is. I'm like, like, it starts with a D. (laughs) So there's a cognitive dissonance when everything around you tells you that you can have problems, but they're going to resolve really quickly and they're going to be beautiful, like a Hallmark movie, which is lower spectrum of the artistic Mm -hmm. quality. (laughs) And when life's not like that, I think we struggle a lot. Would you see a parallel between how life is imitating art here or am I completely awash? Well, no, I think we bring up the Hallmark movies and I hate Hallmark movies. And I think I do. The reason I hate them is because they don't imitate life. They don't. And so there's a shallowness about them. Mm -hmm. And I think you can, some Christian artists, as sad as it is to say, you sense a shallowness when things get resolved that easily because in real life okay maybe you do meet that person and then maybe someone you love gets sick and you have to walk through another trial um maybe you're feeling intense joy and intense pain at the same time for different reasons um their life is so much more complex and nuanced than that and hallmark movies don't want to go there because they're a form of escapism i think when we think of art too I, I don't necessarily think, I mean, maybe escapism can be part of art, but Christian art and escapism to me don't seem to be super compatible. Hmm. That's really good. That is very good. I mean, I think that there's some elements of how fantasy has played into Christian art, specifically around the areas of allegory. I think that back in the 40s and 50s, we really reached a pinnacle with that between Lewis and Tolkien and even a little bit with Chesterton. But now... It's, I mean, we can't really afford the escapism. When you look at the world around us, even though it's so dark, I think this is when we have to show up with the depth of our experiences 
and say, I'm putting out art that reflects this. I'm not telling you that it's okay. Sometimes you have a bad day and then Jesus slaps a bandaid on it and it's all better. Like that's not what the world needs right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So on that topic, are there topics that you have wanted to explore a little bit to flesh out and to share your own experiences? It could be genres or maybe stepping into something in addition to writing and podcasting. Sure. Well, I would say I've written about my experience with depression before, but I I think I'd like to go in more depth. I've gotten some feedback lately saying that my podcasts had, had been very helpful on their own journey. And I haven't shared in as much detail as maybe I would like to in the future because it's scary. Um, It's scary to share something that personal that you are afraid may change the way people see you. Um, So that's something I'm considering. Um, I think another, so I talked about how I didn't think fiction was my thing, but I can't get the story idea out of my head. And so I, and it's going back to the Brothers Karamazov. So when I was about 25, I actually wrote a modern day version of the Brothers Karamazov, a 200 page novel. And it wasn't very well written. I had a published author look at it and she was like, you know, hope it sounds kind of like you're reporting the news. Mm. Um, But I really like the idea of writing something that has similar themes where you, where, where characters wrestle with issues that aren't necessarily resolved and that there's the tension that maybe there's not a happy ending. So I'm thinking of delving into some fiction again and it's very scary because I'm comfortable with nonfiction. I'm comfortable with my voice with that idea of finding your voice I found my voice but with fiction I haven't mm-hmm. still after five ten years I can't get the idea out of my head though so I, I think I may want to pursue that that's fantastic you could write a screenplay <laughs> You know, that would be easier because the thing that gets me tripped up is like, I don't want to describe this room. Like I'm the same way. I just, I'm like, I feel the room. I don't want to talk about it. If you can't feel it, like, I don't know how to help. I know. I know. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't like the description that's involved, but you, I mean, when I think of books, I love to read a lot of times they're historical fiction and I love the setting. Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to write that. It might be an INFJ thing where we're like, we just feel it, we just know. It's very. I know. I just want dialogue. I just and that's the thing is, I'm also not the most observant person. Like I can. One time, my roommate played a trick on me. She she moved something in the kitchen. She moved the welcome mat, and she wanted to see how long it was before I noticed. And it was like over a week because I don't notice things. I'm in my head. Yep. (laughs) So. Well, if you do write a screenplay, that would be such a fun, that's a fun outlet. And I know that there's actually new Christian production companies that are doing high quality filming. Mm-hmm. I think it's down in the South. It's not happening in Hollywood, but, okay. but uh, they can make things happen. Hmm. I'll have to <laughs> think about that. That's exciting. <laughs> so where can people find you and your work? They can find my writing at hopeunyielding.com. And I also have a short ebook that you can download for free there. Mm -hmm. It's all about what it means to 
be satisfied and content in Christ while you're dealing with unfulfilled desires. And, you know, I talk about my desire to be married, um, being 30 and not married and what that looks like for my relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you, if you want to get a free you can go on over to hopeunyielding.com. And then my podcast, it's also called Hope Unyielding. You can find it on any major podcast platform, or you can go to hopeunyielding.buzzsprout.com. Fantastic. And that ebook is, is really deep. It is such, it's, it's like drinking from the very best of fire hydrants. I'm like, this is so good. I love all of this. <laughs> Can I put that quote on my website? You sure you can. <laughs> Reader feedback. Drinking from the very best oh. of fire hydrants. Sparkling <laughs> water only. <laughs> Clearly mineral. Oh, oh. How, how can I pray for you as we close this out? Hmm. Um, I would say just for future direction. I'm looking for a job right now. A lot of things in my life are kind of up in the air. So direction in terms of career, but also with writing, I have been in a bit of a dry spell, which is, which is normal. And I've learned not to freak out about it, but I would, I would love to continue writing, but I just don't really have anything to say right now. All right. Father, thank you so much for hope. I thank you for the voice that she has and the voice that you've crafted within her. Lord, thank you that you are using her to speak to Issues that we often keep buried deep in our hearts, and she's calling them forth with joy and grace and clarity and a realness. Father, I ask for direction over her life and her work. We know that you have a perfect plan for her, that there's nothing um, that's a surprise to you. Father, I pray a blessing over her work and over her heart and her mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Woo!